thing that I use on Instagram, my title on there, which is The Fall Guy. I feel like my career definitely, I created a niche space for myself where it's like when things fall apart, I've become like, I became this guy that everybody called to me, everybody leaning towards like when the when the house is burning down, somehow my phone rings like, I know you can still save my house. <laughs> I know everything's on fire, but I believe you can save my house. And you called on and you can call on and you know that the thing is going to get done. I'm going to see it through, no matter what the case is. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a figure it out. I'm one of those guys uh, that you would definitely want to have on your team, and I appreciate getting those calls and acknowledge as such. Hey, Chris, picture this. Every day, you get on the train, you put on some headphones, you get off the train, you're at fucking 30 Rock in downtown New York City, and you're looking up at the fucking building, and you go in there, and you go to fucking work. You go work in 30 Rock, and you walk past people, and you you see the world that we're watching through our screens most of the time. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, see it happen. You, you know who doesn't you know who doesn't have to imagine that? Dude. Our our guest today, Dietrich Lohman. Incredible, right? I mean, <laughs> hey man, we've been trying for Dietrich to come on for a while and this hands down like you guys are going to love this episode. I I truly I could probably sit and talk to Dietrich for another 3 episodes if you want, if if we could. Yeah, I mean, I so him and I toured together. I want to say two thousand seven ish, two thousand two thousand nine. I think it was uh, on an Anthony Hamilton tour. He was the drum tech for um, Lil John, uh, Lil John Roberts, not the rapper. Yeah. Lil John. <laughs> um who was playing in that tour with anthony hamilton um and i've just known him since and uh dietrich has toured with or been with the roots uh for like 15 to 20 years basically he started with the roots in the clubs in philadelphia um where he was born and raised um can't believe it uh, that that guy is quest loves drum tech and they just they they just used to swap you know the seat all the time and then yeah holy cow he did late late night with jimmy fallon like he he did jimmy fallon forever and and uh, well, so just for legal reasons it's the tonight show with yeah oh the, yeah, <laughs> the tonight show, show with jimmy fallon and then um and then you know late night with seth myers is where he's been for the last incredible or so years as a production as a production manager but he's toured with uh, lady gaga pharrell n-e-r-d eminem l cool j uh long list like m- most of our other people um Lots of great stories, uh, lots of great perspectives. I think you all are going to jo- enjoy this. Hey, check out our socials. Make sure that you're commenting on uh, our Facebooks, uh, our, our Instagrams, all the metas. <laughs> at, at Loose Connection Pod on pretty much any platform. Yep, the TikToks. Uh, we, asked, <clears throat> we asked for hate mail last week. Um, and we got it. Let's I mean, go. it was obviously joking. It was joking hate mail, but I, we appreciate you responded. So, Hey, yeah, tell us, tell, you know, are you digging this? Uh, the conversation is cool. You know, we're obviously, um, you know, people from the old thing are finding the new thing and the, the new thing is going to be a little bit different than the old thing. And that's okay. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. So listen to this episode and, uh, hit us up.
Dietrich, what's the what's the first time that you picked up an instrument or were interested in music? First time I picked up an instrument, uh, I think I'm the picture. I believe I'm like one or something like that, one or two. Like I'm definitely in the onesie, very small, in front of a Christmas tree that has every instrument like on the planet, every Fisher Price instrument that they had, I guess, at that point in time. Nice. My mom brought them all, and she said I just gravitated to drums. In 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 mom's defense, you were twelve months. You weren't a year old. You were twelve You're months. Right, right. <laughs> we all For know. Sure. We yeah. all know yeah. how moms work. You, you're 36 months old <laughs> absolutely absolutely the case i'm like but that was that's the earliest thing i i saw and earliest thing i remember is kind of being in church and you know just the music and all of that kind of stuff but as far as touching an instrument was by far again i can't even it's a picture i can't even remember to speak like it's yeah my yeah. mom had the picture yeah. and i'm merely just a little kid i'm like i'm like one I'm like in my onesie on Christmas and I got drumsticks in my hand standing in front of a piano. It's a trumpet. It's all, it's so much a guitar. It's all, it's every instrument you can think of. She had them all laid out and drums just happened to be the one that I uh, gravitated towards. Did your family play music? Musical family, yeah. Uh, my grandmother, my grandmother, she plays piano and sings. Uh, my mom sings. My uncle, uh, he plays saxophone and drums. Uh, my dad played drums and it's weird because of all of the people who I just named, the only people I've ever seen do any of those things is my grandmother singing and playing piano and my mom singing. Mm. I've never seen my dad. I just found out about my dad playing drums maybe like a year ago. I was like, bro, like you don't nothing like <laughs> <laughs> just didn't want to throw that out there. Like, Hey, let me tell you about this one time. Like, <laughs> So you you said church. Did you grow up playing in church? Did everybody play yeah. in church? Everybody sang in church the whole nine yards? Yep, exactly. It was being completely engulfed in, uh, you know, just church growing up from the earliest of ages that I can remember. Again, more pictures of me being a little kid with some drumsticks on the front row, just sitting there like, yep. and just that I was banging on everything in the house there, everything I could get my hands on. Hey, you know, that was the- some people don't get that. Like kids that are raised around like Baptist church, in the right. gospel and stuff like that at at 40 years old you could yell out blood of the lamb you're like what key let's go like <laughs> and we're and, in and, and everybody's in like and and no and, hesitation and none of those people really have like this formal music education either at that point like i've seen people sit down at a at an organ mm-hmm. and and know what all the slides do playing Every the bass one. notes with their feet uh-huh. like and they have never read a piece of music in their life, but they never. know they can jam all those songs. They just do it. It's crazy. I can bring you in front of several family members who right now, current day, sit right down and you're like, so wait, you never, no one, like, you didn't go sit with anybody to, like, give you the books and you're not learning how the mechanics work or the, no. no, 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 just watching other people. And that's how we all got it. Just sitting on that road like little kids like this, just wish. Mm-hmm. Somebody lucky enough, they let you want get on the drum because you can play. You play for a little bit, get yeah. one song. All right, get get up. Okay, you got your song. Come on, get back up. Let me get back. So, that, like, if you were lucky enough for that kind of stuff, but that was the environment. That's what I grew up in. That's a, that's an amazing phenomenon. Of music is like people learning by ear in situations where, like you said, huh? your, your family just did it. You just did it. You knew you were going to play yep. some music because the instruments were there. It just happened. Everything was there. <laughs> Everything was there. That's- 
That's one of the things so like, you know, and the connection that, that you know, ties Dietrich and I together. We toured 15 years ago. Right, right, right. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on, a, on an Anthony <laughs> Hamilton tour. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that I learned early on doing these like R&B tours and, and even the hip hop stuff too, but it's like, man, all of these players, they all grew up in church you know and and there's something special about these r&b players who grew up in church and just they've been working on this craft like you said it's like you're early you before you could walk you're playing an instrument right and it's like that's all they've done their whole life is just play these instruments and it's and it's the most satisfying it's like never not a moment that like music's not being played during sound check rehearsals right whatever and it's just just fun man like you know and and like Yeah, and like church breaks out, like church breaks out during sound check. You know what I mean? Like all some been, of the right. stuff. You know what I mean? Right, like, for sure, it's always something. There's always a moment where somebody do something very churchy, and it's very clear what it is. Is everybody going for a moment? Is like, all right? Let's get back. Let's get back to work. Let's get back. To work. <laughs> but it, you know, it's like it's almost like really being in church. Like you can't help it when the spirit jump out of you. You got to tap in. Everybody's tapped in, and then y'all get right back to it. Like okay, Ooh. you know what I mean? But that's definitely yeah. that's definitely the vibe, and definitely something to speak towards for sure. Uh, just the idea of these these musicians, these very blessed for sure musicians who are able to adapt into this craft that are like you put them in a room with some guys who have been to all of these great schools and learned under these great teachers. You know what I mean? All these all these book hours. It's like, yeah, but we got a different kind of hours that got put in. You know what I mean? When it comes to how that church game goes for sure. And not to say game, but just, you know, the idea of musicians inside a church. I'm like, it's a, it's a different it's a different breed of uh, musicians that come out of there for sure. I definitely is. Outside of that, the secular side of it when you were growing up, um, what was like the hits for you where you listened to it and you're like, I want to do that? So my mom's side, like, so I got I got the best of both worlds. So my mom's side is very much, very churchy for sure. But my dad's side, that's a different ball game. That was, going over there was where you got, I got to hear Prince, I got to hear Luther Vandross. I got to hear, you know what I mean, the Rick James. I got to hear that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is a different. <laughs> that's, so now I'm trying to figure out how to get that music home so I can play my little drum kit in the crib. Like, I want to play. Like, that feels. Um, and I'm watching how the Delta's moving off of this, listening to Prince for the first time, watching Purple Rain. I'm just like, what is that? Like, what, what is these drums that that drummer is playing behind Prince? And that don't look like the drums we're playing at church. Like, what are those these little things right here? Like, <laughs> and this noise that they're, my drums don't sound like, do, 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 do. it's like, what is that noise? Not understanding what that was at the time. But, like, you know, again, that that being Prince, like I said, Michael Jackson, those are the things that the temptations, like my, my dad's side was just heavy. They were heavy in just what that scene was of, you know, what was the music of that time, um, all the R&B and stuff like that and, and pop. So like listening to the police was being at my grandmother's house and they're banging rock. And it's like, oh, oh OK, what was this? And every time, you know, they, they were open to just music in general. It definitely wasn't like we listened to just, you know, black music. It was everything over my over my grandmother's house being over there and on the weekend. They play a pinochle and Marvin Gaye is playing now. You know what I mean? Or you know, this is playing or that. That's just what that household was over there. So it was getting really both worlds and get to take that back home when I was hearing there and get to take that back home where I got my instrument. at, And now I'm like, yo, uh, I got to, what was that beat he was playing again? I got to figure that out. Then my mom started buying me some stuff. So I allowed to, li- allowed to listen to some other stuff, you know, start practicing, you know, playing that kind of stuff. 
but that was during when I was still a drummer, <laughs> which I am not anymore. <laughs> dude, dude, that's hilarious because you know you went to church one day and dropped a chop from you know one of those albums you heard, and everybody kind of looked over like, I know what that is, but we can't talk about that after the words are done. <laughs> right, like, well, we'll talk about it later. Like I, I, I know what that, I know I what that, knew that is. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely the case. And as you, you know, as Chris can attest to, like that's what happens when we're in sound check and stuff like that. And then cats will bring some churchy stuff into that. You know for sure they're taking home, a, you know, if they're playing behind a Justin Timberlake or this person or that. They absolutely, all of a sudden, you hear a little riff and it's like, that was definitely <laughs> at least four bars of so and so and so and so. And everybody just look up at each other at the same time like, I heard that. Yeah, you heard that. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But, it, you know, that's that's something dope that, mm-hmm. that you love about how music can come together in that way in such a way. You know what I mean? And again, being able to bring multiple worlds into one space, even before, again, those four bars or whatever those measures may be, just be able to have something, be able to live. That's really cool in that space. Right. So that's that, that's always cool. and something I appreciate about being a part of, you know, the circular world and, you know, the, the Christian world or just you know, religious side of that. Outside of outside of church, did you ever play in a formal band? I did. Uh, so outside of church, I must say I really didn't start playing until like high school was where everything kind of took off for me. Um, I went to a regular public school, University City High School in Philly. Um, but there was a music teacher there, a guy by the name of George Bird, uh, who's passed away now. Um, but when I got there, he my, my stepdad worked at this high school as well. And the drummer at the time was leaving. He was graduating. He was like, nah, they were known for their jazz band. So he was like, I used to go there in the summer times and swim, hold on. So I would always see the jazz band. I knew the music teacher, but I wasn't old enough at that point. But he realized his drummer was leaving. He called my dad, hey, real quick, I need your son. <laughs> my drummer's leaving. And I really got drafted to another high school. Let's go. And became, I became first cheer for the jazz band. So that's where it all like really kind of like the focus of somebody really kind of being behind me. Like, okay, listen, all right, this is, this is what's happening. This is what I know you're playing, but that's sloppy as hell. And he was like, a no, he was a no nonsense kind of dude. Like old school, he played, he played all every horn there was French or saxophone. You bring it, he was playing it. So that was kind of really the start. But at the same time, it was the start of what it is that I do now in the production world as well. Um, because he, like, as fast as he wanted me to be there to be a drummer, he was like, nah, I don't want you to just be a drummer, Dietrich. Like, I want you to be more than just a drummer. I refuse for you to be in my class and just be in here playing drums every day. I want you to run the whole music program here in the school. That turns into me having to know the whole audio setup of our, because our school, the auditorium set 2,400 people. Wow, so people used to, that's big. so people used to, it, it, it was one of the biggest auditoriums there was pretty much in Philadelphia at the time. People used to rent the, uh, our auditorium out all the time because of how big it was. So a lot of like, uh, a lot of colleges would always use our auditorium. We would always do like uh, the Spellman, like uh, the Christmas like festival, I think it was. They used to always come up from Atlanta up to Philly just to use our auditorium for this Christmas festival that they would do. Uh, Shirley Caesar would rent out uh, rent out our auditorium all the time, and she was actually the first person I ever did sound for in high school. She rented it out. She was having a, a Sunday night uh, Sunday night like uh, uh, concert, and they used all of our in house sound. I was the head of the sound department. I was the head of the whole entire music mm-hmm. department. So my first gig that I ever did was for Shirley Caesar running sound, and I didn't get towed off. I, I wasn't like, and this was all in high school. Like you know what I mean. I, I think I did pretty well. I didn't get fired. <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't yeah, get man. I didn't get called out in it. But that was like the intro of 
what but now is production that I do where it was like I could have easily just been a guy who played drums and then that would have been it. Mm. But this music teacher, Mr. Bird, really like he was like, nah, like once he understood, like, okay, you know how to play drums. You gotta be more than that, teacher. You gotta be more than that. And it's like, all right. And now, you know, today I very much appreciate it. And I I'm happy that I even got to tell him while he was alive and he got to see, you know, like what I've been able to transition into uh while he was still alive before he passed as well. So that's, you know, pretty cool for me. Uh, to at least have had him see me, you know, transition through the different stages that I've gone through. But high school would be, that was the turn of what became and what was to become uh, really being on that path and really focused and really, like really, really thinking about putting the hours in uh, strategically. I, I think high school for a lot of us is where we formed our culture and our intake of like, we became a part of the music. We started dressing uh-huh. like it. We started looking like it. We started hanging out with people like it, whatever yep. style of music it was, we became a part of that thing. Did you find it? And, and I think nowadays I, I got kids, uh, Chris, like the whole nine yards being involved in school is different than when we were young because of the saturation of this culture of music that was around us in high school. Like the radio was a thing like tapes. You had no trip with some other stuff. Yeah. Tapes and CDs, like, and who you surrounded yourself with. So outside of the music aspect of what you started to do in high school, what were your interests? And did that form your culture as well? Moving forward past high school. Um, I'm saying, yeah, for sure. So the, the, Definitely the things that were happening in high school definitely carried over and were started intermixing immediately. Uh, like I said, once I got to the high school, I didn't get introduced into what at the time was called the Black Lily. Uh, the Black Lily was where the Roots basically started their jam sessions where all of these, when Anthony Hamilton was still just a background oh, singer. I heard where, about that. Uh, it's one of the most legendary things that ever existed in Philadelphia and what birthed all of that whole neo-soul movement. That's what was happening in this place. Every Tuesday night, nine o'clock, you went down to Bank Street on Market, uh, between uh right here, Market and Bank Street. It was in an alleyway. You went up these you went up like sixty steps to this little small little club. And again, Janet Jackson stopping through there because she's also working with them on, you know, one of the producers that also play with the roots. She's at the studio around the corner. So everybody's like, yo, tonight we have the little so every every week, I'm not even old enough to be in this place, but they Got the door opened up. They're like, yo, listen, be there at this time at the back door. You better be there. <laughs> I never missed a day. <laughs> like, but all of that was happening in high school. That was like 11, that was about like 11th, 12th grade at that point that I started all of a sudden being in and around all of this stuff that's happening. Did it's your like, parents yo, know oh. you were going? Absolutely. So again, my mom, the dopest, I was raised single parent mom. I'm like, and she, just the dopest and allowing me to be, I just felt crazy. I just uh, found my first concert, uh, the flyer for my first concert. My mom got my autograph and I signed on the back of it. And I just found it in my basement a couple of days ago, going through a bend of like, oh, so my mom keeps everything. Brain that shit. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so many random things. I'm like, mom, where do you, like, a mother, of course, just has opened up this bin and I'm just like, when did you bring this in my house, first of all? <laughs> like, <laughs> when did this bin even get in my house? But, Look at these, just so many random things. But literally my first gig was at a spot called Warm Daddy's. And I was playing for a gospel rapper. Uh, and he, I, we worked on his album. I played on his album as well. And all this was during high school. Uh, I recorded on his album and everything. We were uh, we recorded at Morningstar. I'm like, we recorded up at Morningstar. Uh, 
and the album went out, and that was the first gig that we had did on that. Um, You're just a kid. Was, You're just right. a kid. But it, <laughs> it is, and and it's crazy because like Philly still had some studios at the time that was still putting out like that was a thing. High like, quality I mean, stuff. Was, it was it was yeah. so many studios in Philly during that time of me being in high school, and even up until I guess about like uh, I guess 2010, 20, like really like 2010, 2011. That was kind of really. Things started really diving where everybody started shutting down the bigger studio that everybody kind of knew, the Sigma Sounds and all that kind of stuff. That's when those yeah. spots started really shutting down like that. Larry Golds, they were he sold at that point. He had sold the studio off to Milk Boy. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of that happening. But again, just in high school, I just happened to be in that era where this crazy movement was being birthed and the Eric Badu's and all these people were still absolutely nobodies yet and hadn't dropped their first product. And we're and I'm just in the studio around people and at these jam sessions while I catch a lot. Oh yeah, this is Flowetry. We just got them from London. They just came in with us. We're working on an album with them in there. Just like Did you did you know this was happening at the time? Like did you feel that or do you look back and yeah. go, Holy shit, Erica Badu no, was you, right there. Janet you Jackson. You were very, very aware. Like to be in those rooms, you were very aware. To be at the Lily and these people were there, like you knew because one, it was for again, the reach were running it, so they were they will put this person in your face. Not, not, not. You know, this Ant Hamilton, he, he he out with D'Angelo right now. He, and you like, oh, okay, okay. Now he's singing whatever his parts is. And it's people like, yo, this is who, dude, is crazy. But if you went to a D'Angelo show, which we were all getting the live dats of it, getting sent home every time somebody came home, they sharing the little dat, the little, uh, little mini displayers and everybody's sharing that, getting copies of hearing D'Angelo live. And we're like, yo. And that's Questlove and that's James Whitney. That's all these cats all playing. And it's like, Oh, this is about the. To... Oh wait, so wait, Questlove was playing for D'Angelo yeah, too. Yeah, so yeah, that's. Oh, oh okay. man, <laughs> listen. So Voodoo, the album Voodoo. Yep. The that's, one. That's all. The one. That's, that's the one. Yeah, too. Right. That is. That is by far the, the one for sure. Like, but that that album, they went out and toured that for a couple years. Wow. And I mean, like, go on YouTube and look at some of them shoes, like the click snippets that people got up. You talking about like a feel. God, like, but yeah, but you know, again, all of these things were just all happening, and we were just all, you know, me, myself, and other friends of mine were all just, you know, a part of this these young this young cats that were kind of moving around. Cats are starting to become the bass player and the guitar player and the drummer for this person and that person who are now these people that everybody know and love, and these were people who were still cutting their albums and putting trying to put a band together, and they got a budget and it's hundred dollars a gig, and now these people with the same big deals and you know major celebrities out here Yo, but we were literally just in the melting pot of it the juice that you had with the normal kids that went to your high school was probably <laughs> you were just like i got this juice <laughs> and they were like yo who was at the black lily last night you know what i mean and it, the crazy part is that like then homies started like because we were still in high school they would come up to the high school like that yeah, two were out oh, on, the, on the on the our jazz band was second to none like, I mean, second to none. Like, these are guys who are out working for guys who have full-on deals, and they're sitting there with our jazz band when we're doing gigs. And like, none of art, when they're in rehearsals, and they're teaching us parts, and, you know, you know, this is what I'm doing on this, and this is what, you're like, okay. I think, I think I'm in a circle for sure of something that is very much different because there's no one else here but me. So, you know what I mean? It becomes very clear that you're a part of something or you're being fed into in such a way that, other people are not getting this. You know very well that other people weren't getting what we were getting for sure. 
I'm like, and he, you know, all the way down to just like, again, my music teacher. Like, I knew for what the freedom that he was giving us, it was literally like he was giving us a craft, teaching it to us very much in a, what I would know now in the history of what we know, like is how jazz is, is very like free form in a space where allowing it to be very Miles Davis in the way he taught. I would very much say that he taught the same way Miles Davis played. Like, you know, I mean, his approach to things where like a bad note is not a bad note. It's just a note that was played. <laughs> you say it's bad cool i i say it, it was a note like you know what i mean and that was the way he kind of really chored us was in that like he wasn't perfect at all like he was very much real though like why everybody had to play traditional jazz he like no 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 drop a little hip-hop beat right there I, i'll give you eight bars to give you a little something right there and then we get right back to i appreciated that did he did he did he try to permeate that beyond notes like when you mess up in life, like it's always. just, a, it's just a right. Like, is that man? He was always giving you just a gem. He was always just giving, like again, he was just very much keeping it real. Like, you know what I mean? And everything had something to connect to it. No matter if you was on some bullshit, he just made it clear, like, hey, man, listen, dude, that, <laughs> you can be on that now, but that is the actual just culture of music. So there's so yeah. many parallels between what you're speaking on and what I experienced mm -hmm. as well. But from my parents to the kids at school, to the culture that surrounded it, like there's so many parallels to all that. And it's so cool to hear, this, dude, I, we could end the podcast right now and like, just have you talk about this story getting there, but holy, like the, the parallel is so classic. It really is. And you, and you know, it is truly, and, and you can't like. You can't train for it. This just happens or it don't. And again, there's there there were a bunch of people around. There were other people in our jazz band for sure. I'm like, and there's, you know, there's a few of us who came out and followed through and really saw this as what we really wanted to do, not as a space holder, you know what I mean, in our life. We're like, all right, I get to be in at least a music class for, you know, these this hour or whatever. It was like, nah, I lived in the music class. I had keys to the music room. When our music teacher wasn't there, I could still go in the music room and be in there chilling. We had IMAX in there before they really ever got out and was all the different color back ones and they all had Damn. the recording systems in there. We were <laughs> we were doing sessions. I have recordings of us recording in high school and I'm the I'm the one engineering and everything. And we're in high school doing real live sessions. And and that's what your follow through looked like. Like you weren't even having to try. It was just a follow through of what you thought. That's crazy. It's crazy. It was all there. Like it was all there. You know what I mean? He was able to get money and the you know, to bring in different equipment for us to have. Like, so we had all different task cam stuff and recorders. We had those CD recorders and all that so we could duplicate stuff. Napster had just dropped, so we had access to all of that. <laughs> we had a computer where we could just, oh, my God, it was crazy. <laughs> it was just, it was crazy. But, again, these are the things that for sure, you know what I mean, definitely made the focus. Like, okay, if this is all, if I could do all of this right now, and this is just high school, like, and this is what this is like, you know, you know what I mean, just that, the access, the energy of, like, this music thing. It's like, oh, if, if this is what I, if I don't have to do nothing else but this, oh, this, okay, all right, <laughs> let's go. Get me out of this high school. Let's get, get me out. Of, let's well, figure it out. Uh, well, speaking of getting out of high school, what 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 was your jumping off point to the industry? So, uh, like like most people in the music business, you think that this is your big break. Uh, I had just started going to college. First, I might have been like maybe like a couple months in. Uh, just got a job at uh, KYW3. So I'm like, got a job in the school. Like, this is all working. Cool. But I'm also playing and working with this band. Uh, and we go down to D.C. and we cut this album. It's another whole other band I'm playing for during this time. 
cut this album. My mom, it's my first time my mom really letting me like leave out of town. I'm re- record, re-recorded down in uh, Washington, D.C. And we were out there for like a week or so. My mom's like, I don't know these people. They're all adults. I'm <laughs> still a kid. Like, my mom's like, y'all gonna be there how long? And like, what else? Where are y'all staying? Like, at somebody's sister's house. Like, what is happening? Mom, this is what, you know, mom, this is what I want to do. This is my dream, mom. This is my dream. Please. Like, I quit my job. Quit school. Go on tour. It lasted a week. And... <laughs> <laughs> back at the crib <laughs> trying to figure this shit out all over again like so yeah heartbroken probably heartbroken man and 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 I, just, I i just i just talked in class man i started teaching a class of professional development to college kids oh, cool, and, cool, cool. and i think th- don't people don't talk about that enough is that you're gonna lose your job you're gonna be heartbroken you're gonna hold it against yourself and i i still to this day like chris and i talked about it like when i lost a tour a couple years ago after COVID, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. what did I do wrong? What was the thing? And, right. and like, right. You go through a full mental thing for sure. And go, it's not, it's what it is. You go through it, man. And I tell you what, most of the time with your background, just hearing about high school and stuff, you figure out a way differently to push through it than some people do, you know, Absolutely. because, because we live in the emotion of music. So it's mm-hmm. not like we're not dealing with emotives all the time and the vibration and the whole nine yards. We know what bad vibration is. Like you said, right. that, no, no, no. And, and there comes that bad note, you know, was it a bad right. note? Probably not because it's already been but, played. It's gone. You know, it's gone already. It's done. I'm not looking back at that note no more. That note is done. Whatever happened there. That's what it is. Dietrich is my spirit animal already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've had enough experiences. I feel like at this age where just so much has happened in 41 years, I'm 41. I'll be 42 this year in June. I'm like, but just for like, just getting to this space so much has just happened. You know what I mean? Good, bad, indifferent. Like just a lot has happened just to get here. And you know, what it's take to sustain being here. Um, it was sustain being relevant, feeling relevant, you know, just, you know, just, it, it, you know, definitely conversation that people just, I feel like sometimes don't really express uh, in a way that it, it should be for those who really, when you really put in those hours, those, those up moments, those down moments where it's like, nah, it's, rather than not just disappearing off of Facebook or whatever that might be and kind of not yeah. being open about something. Like that's to me is a space where it's like, don't go hide. Like if anything, hopefully you have some people around that you should be able to talk to like in, in that space to move forward. Cause if you hide, then you're just kind of holding on to it. You're going to be in your own dark space, your own head, you know, about something that could easily be somebody that's close to you talking to you. Like, bro, listen, like you just said, Chris being able to like, nah, bro, don't let that, don't let that discourage you. Don't let that hold you down. Nah, we moving forward. That's just an opportunity that wasn't for you. The one that is for you is going to come. Don't worry about it. We keep on moving. Can't get caught on that. And that's by far, I would say that's definitely something that has allowed me and has allowed me to keep moving uh, in the business the way that I uh, do for sure. Um, just in a, you know, it ain't always a win. It ain't always a home run. I mean, you know, it might be a win, but it might not always be with home runs. You know what I mean? It might just be bases. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And being, I realizing that every, every bad ain't going to get me there. Like, you know, it ain't going to always be that. So I just take, you know, take them in stride. I, I don't try to force anything. Um, but I do try to always be aware and recognize, you know, the things that I think are for me are showing clear signs that are for me. Um, and, you know, you don't always know what that is. Uh, moving in, even to the TV space and not to jump ahead in the, you know, just in whatever the conversation, like how the conversation goes, but just in this TV space that I work in. I had never worked in TV other than, you know, being with a band and, 
we go to a TV station or, you know, show whatever the case is and do our normal artists, you know, being with the artist side, not being on the technical side and understanding anything at all has to do with the technical side, but being offered a job where it's like, okay, uh, I could either feel like I'm not worthy per se, or not even worthy, but just, you know, maybe not at the caliber because it's a different world from what I've spent so much time in on this other side. It's like, or I could just meet it where it is. Like I met this one. I didn't know what this really would be. I didn't know what the music business would really look like. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to be in it. I believed that I could do it. And I proved and I've proven that I can. I just approached it the same way going getting into the TV world. All right, what they want me to know, I'm pretty sure they'll teach me for the most part. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you're hiring me, you're gonna, you're gonna have to teach me something. And I know if you show me that, I, I'm good. Like you can just get once yeah. you you brought me in. So we already I'm more than halfway there, honestly. Like to me, that's my thought. No, that's sick. Um yeah, so the TV thing is definitely jumping forward. So let's maybe rewind yep, just a minute. Yep, 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 <laughs> definitely want to get back like, to the I'll TV thing for there, sure. Absolutely. But no, uh, 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 so so yeah, so you came home. This band thing didn't work out. What what ha- what happened next? Um, band thing didn't work out, and now I'm back to I got to figure it out because I'm you know I got bills, I got I got things that I need to start doing because I've made this adult decision. Now, you know, like so I, I got to figure it out. So I started doing contracting work i think first is the first thing i started doing like going home remodeling i got with a guy with a guy who needed an extra set of hands like who i could use a guy started doing that while yep. doing open mics uh, around the city every open mic date i knew everybody that was doing something yo let me know if you need a drummer if you need a, somebody on house band let me started doing that so now now i'm back on the house band back at the same place the black lily uh, the five spot with the name of the bar but the black lily now they're like oh do you home our bet cool I, we, we need a drummer for the house band so now I'm on the house band. So now I'm really more in than I was <laughs> previous to where I was just kind of able to be in the hanging just out, hanging yeah. out now. Now I'm my I have a name. <laughs> I'm not just the dude over there like I do see you all the time. Right? Like, yo, what's up, Dietrich? <laughs> like, you know, and it and again, you're understanding that you're in this environment of people where it's like, for real, for real, nobody has to acknowledge me at all. Like there's such a thing that's being birthed in this room that like for me to not have a name or not be acknowledged by, you know. All these people is not offending me in any way, but to be able to be in a space where that did happen because now I'm on like they oh they've heard me play the album that we did you know and worked on it got it got played on the radio like you know what I mean so now it's like uh, okay uh, okay yeah and then that turns into like yo what you got going on Tuesday night or you know what's, what you got on Monday because we do rehearsals I need somebody on house band that translation translates into that and then kind of just being around. And playing a little bit for you know a couple of years, uh, to like I was drumming up until about '04, and then in '04 I got in a car accident and uh, messed up my spine, and that changed me ever playing drums ever again. And that's what why oh, wow. why I don't play drums anymore. Like other than you know doing the drum tech thing and stuff like that, but me playing like in any way is something that I just really can't do. I can't really sit on a stool for two hours. Like and not feel like I'm going to then crawl off the drums. I would be no good for the next show at all. Like not even wow. close. I'm like, but yeah, that was the that was the that was basically the transition there. It was like you know about three three or four years of you know in the city playing all the house band stuff, just all the local you know local stuff that was happening around the city. Uh, then like I said, um, that happening um, with the the car accident, and uh, after after the car accident thing. Um, just kind of was just around, kind of a little depressed, not not knowing what to do, kind of where that was going to go. 
um, and then just got an offer to start. Uh, I actually wasn't. Yeah, I got an offer to go out with. Which I think he was first. If LL was first or Pharrell. I, I've heard of. I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 well, but, but, well, hold on. Let's let's regardless of whether it was LL Cool J yeah. or Pharrell, mm-hmm. like when did you realize that like being a tech was a viable career? Path? Um, so realizing that part that came in, um, because I mean after the after the car accident thing happened, you know now I'm just around with with the guys or whatever, so I'm just helping you know the, my different homies and all the drummers as well. You know, you got a gig, cool. I roll with you. I'm helping you. Like you know what I mean? It was just a natural. I'm I. I got the kick drum, like I got the times. I grabbed the hard. Now we just set up the kick because I know how you set up your kit. You know how I set up my kit. We're always playing together anyway. We're always, you know. So it became yeah. a very easy. I went my friends, so it was easy. You, know, I help you set up your kit. Now setting up your kit all of a sudden becomes a. This is actually what happens on tour. It's like oh, they're one and the same. And it's like, hey, I I need a germ check. Are you available? I am available. Actually, LL Cool J is the first. That, that was the we did. Uh, Oprah was starting to own uh, network, and LL performed like two different sh- two different like sets or whatever. And he we got the call and put the whole band together. The band got put together, and it was like, all right, we need some texts. Like I was one of the texts that got called, and that was that was the start of. Like, and then I received the check from the first week of us working. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is way different than any and everything I've ever, 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 ever saw. And that, like, you know what I mean? I mean, why would, why would a check not make you feel like, I think this might be a career that I could really, really focus in on? Because he says, do I share this check? Like, who, who else I got to pay out of this check? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, Uncle you Sam. Know, t- you figured that one right, out later like, on, too. Uh, oh, <laughs> Uncle oh, Sam. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, yes, indeed. Oh, man, oh, man. I felt that out the hard way. I'm not ashamed to say that, but I felt that out the hard way in the end. was like, oh, you, so you do need that money. Okay. All right. No problem. <laughs> but I got this money now. <laughs> right, right, right. I can't spend this now? I got to put some away? Hold on. Totally. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, you know, in the beginnings of all of that, that gig and everything, you know, just in those first years, just realizing like that, like somebody's handing you a check and understand like, no, no, you have to take the taxes out of that. You need to separate some of this money from, yeah, you got a big check, but understand that there's taxes in that check, not out of that check. Uh, uh. So those were things that I didn't figure out till later on. It was like, wait, wait, how, how much I owe you? Like, ain't no way I made that much money. What are you talking about? Yep. Oh, ah, Okay. So were your emotions, so you're used to playing, you're used to Mm -hmm. that emotion of playing. Mm -hmm. How were your emotions different, better, indifferent when you started teching, when you knew you were helping someone else be successful at the thing that you used to do? It was, it was very easy to separate myself, uh, from, from the job I was doing, you know, from what I used to do or, you know felt like I still could do or whatever the case is. Um, it became very easy because the the first gigs were with my friends. So that made it, you know, super duper easy. It, if we weren't actually, if they weren't actually rehearsing, you know, whatever was happening, you know, get on the drums or I'm on, you know, we're all, now we're all, because every, every church musician is a drummer. So everybody, first thing you do is run to the drums and everybody want to shed on the drums. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was very easy in the transition where it didn't feel no kind of way. And we all worked together for, many years before 
other people started calling and working for other artists, you know what I mean? That was separate from my crew of guys. And by that time, it didn't, you know, it was very cold to me and I did get on the drum kit. It was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to play anything extra. Like, I'm, I'm okay. Like, you got what you need. Everybody, audio's good. Everybody cool. Snare, everybody's good. Okay, cool. I'm going to get back to the bus or to the hotel and I'm fine with that. <laughs> and I'm like, truly. So easy. It was very easy to separate myself, but it was because of those years of, again, still with them, with our group of friends before, you know, working for other people at that point. Did you feel appreciation? Like you were like, man, I made that snare sound really good today. Like, or did you feel like, oh, he, he didn't ask for nothing. So <laughs> right. I know I did my gig. Like my gig was done. Right, right. That, you know, those days are far in between, but no, I can say, I, <laughs> I can say honestly, uh, definitely always felt the, I've never been on a gig where I didn't feel the appreciation, uh, of the work that I believe that I was, uh, you know, adding and bringing to the table, uh, for what was happening for sure. I've never had, I've never had somebody like, yo, my drums sound terrible. Like what, what is happening? Like, you know, every drummer sits down and like, oh, are we sure this was where my symbol was at? Like it was right here. All right, cool. Okay. <laughs> other than stuff, you know what I mean? Like they, they can't help themselves. Like, you know what I mean? But other than that, nah, I can say, I don't, I don't think that I've ever had anybody make me, make me feel in any way or came off any way where like they didn't appreciate what was happening or what, I, you know, the job that I did for them. Was there someone who took you under their wing to like, hey, I know you know how to play drums at this up, but like as a professional backline tech, as a professional drum tech, these are kind of the rules of the road. Here's how to be efficient. Here's how to do the thing on like a pro level or did you just figure it out? It was definitely a lot of just figuring it out. Again, we like we came in kind of like a squad, so everybody was really figuring it all out. Them as musicians, they were figuring out what what, what this all looked like to be operating at a level. But that that church saw some like you know it makes it makes people believe like that because because people are coming in on such a level and playing so that there's no question to the idea like no they don't know it. they're not thinking about you on the road like they know that you're a musician who's killing they don't realize until you say it like yeah I've never been on the road before but you're a band you're playing the music the way that they want it they loving it oh my god cool all right you know so we flying to where Istanbul tomorrow oh okay you know, haven't been to Istanbul I ain't got a passport like what are you talking about like what. <laughs> A passport? Like, wait, where do I get that? I don't even know where to get a passport. What you, you know what I mean? It's not Googling days. You, you couldn't just Google it. Like, like this is the conversations you're asking people. Like, so we got to get calling cards? Like, I got to get a calling? What is, wait, where? So, you yeah, know, it was it was very much learning it all, like school of hard knocks about it all. Um, you know, there were people around for sure that, you know, helped once you got out there. Then there was, you know, other people that you would come in contact with that can give you a little tidbits and stuff like that. But you know how the road be a lot of times as well where, kind of every man is for themselves. Like, unless you roll with a clique of guys who are all guys that you, you know, have a rapport with. And, but otherwise, you know, there's guys that get in the, they do their gig and they get in the bunk. They don't talk or nothing. They, at, at lunch, they in a whole little corner to themselves, unless it's the audio team, it's the backline team. You know what I mean? It's the, yeah. You know, it's very separate in that space, but uh, I've definitely come in contact with guys uh, who, you know, who's always dropped a gem on me or two, you know, just in, Yo, man, this is something. How you packing stuff like that? Why, why you got that big behind bag? We already go for the weekend. I'm like, well, I can't fit this stuff. You're like, what, man? All my stuff is in this book bag. It's like in a book bag. Like, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it was definitely just you know learning as you go. Um, like, but for you know, for my side of what was you know being a drum tech, I, I was just blessed enough to definitely work with guys that I knew for a while. So they helped you know just with me getting grounded and, you know, being in circles of now the guys who are the production team for, you know, these other big artists who we were all cool in the beginning. So 
now you're the production manager for artists because you've already been in the business when we first were getting started or you know trying to be around. It's easy for that person to now, yo, oh D, I got you. That's all you need. D, let me let me show you, bro. No, 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 no. Latches always lock the latches on these cases, man. Somebody walk by and rip the skin off, you rip the meat off your leg if you let that latch be down. Yep. And you yep. like, that that makes sense. You know what? <laughs> you know what I mean? But just little stuff like that. But that's a major thing that somebody not knowing. And now all of a sudden later on, somebody walking around somebody took a chunk out of their leg because a latch was down and hanging out. And you'll 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 appreciate that later for sure. Where you're like, yeah, that I shouldn't come across one of them cases and take that take ooh, not fun. Imme- so immediately thought about the scar above my knee when you said that. <laughs> Everybody got one at least. Yep, one. Everybody got at least one for sure. And you learn that lesson after that. What only takes one time for a latch to catch you before you like. I got it. So we don't need latches down at all. I got it. Okay, understood. So yeah, no, it was it was very much, you know, again, a lot of just being around and, and being smart enough to inquire sometimes and just watch and see what was going on a lot of times when a guy is doing a job, when a guy is moving something or how he's doing something. Okay, cool. Even if I thought I knew something, I'd rather still watch and see how you do it. it might be something to add to what I do. I've always been that kind of guy, I think, like just in this business and realizing that it's a lot that goes on. So let's let's fast forward a minute with Jump Pass. You've been touring for a while. You've done stuff with the Roots, Lady Gaga, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start dipping your feet into the TV world. What 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 happened there? How did that come about? Um, so we were we were I was working with the Roots. Uh, I've been with the Roots for almost twenty years now. Uh, we were we had just finished the Super Bowl. The Roots were doing uh, the halftime. Well, actually, they were doing the whole music thing for the intro for All-Star Weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, and one of the guys, for one of the one of the audio guys from the Roots, uh, good brother, Artless, um, he got a call from the monitor guy at the time who was asking if he had seen me. Like, yo, you talked to Dietrich, yo, just wonder, like, I think he might be a great dude to bring in, uh, you know, to bring on the team because the, the A2 is leaving, the audio tech is leaving for the show. He's like, well, I'm standing right beside him right now. Hold on. Hand me the phone. Get on the phone. Uh, he asked me a couple questions. How you feel about never work, being on tour ever again? And I was like, I mean, that's a lot. Like, that seems very loaded. But, <laughs> tell, you know, <laughs> tell me more. Like, He's like, all right, well, I know y'all doing something right now, whatever the case is. But, you know, hit me tomorrow or whatever. And that was a Sunday. I called him Monday. He had me up at the building by maybe like Wednesday or Thursday. I was working there that next following Monday. And... And for con- for context, this is Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, yes, yeah, so, right, it's a nice. And the yeah, NBA yeah, yeah. thing was at San yeah. Antonio for the NBA playoffs thing weekend, and I was at that show, and that's when I met all y'all for the first Richard. time. <laughs> and oh, so you, you guys have met before? <laughs> yep. You guys have met before? And and, <laughs> yeah, and that's great. And uh, we were, I was with Fallout Boy, and we did the NBA weekend Absolutely. at San Antonio in the middle of the street. Yo. Oh yep. man! What's up, Dietrich? I'm Kyle. I'm Kyle. What? I was with I was a front house dude for Fallout Boy, and you y'all were just starting to talk about the late late show with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> and, and to define for everybody out there who doesn't know, when he says he goes to the building to do his show, that's fucking Rockefeller Center. You know, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe you've heard of it, like LL or this other guy Pharrell. You've ever, but. Uh, you guys were on this different thing at that at that point in the career in like yeah. it was it was almost like a natural step for you because the the world of late night TV was Conan, Dave uh, and uh, Jay Leno. 
that was it. That, that was it. And there was this new kid that was coming in for the late, late show, Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. And he was just coming off Saturday Night Live, which was another, yep. you know, it was this whole thing. And we were actually one of the first year guests on the late, late show. I still got the t-shirt faded out. Like fallout boys, the roots and fallout boy were like, I mean, dude, it was like, it was so cool because when we went at the neck, it, it was, it was awesome because when we walked in, we felt like family. And that was the first time that we ever did a TV show with other touring people, <laughs> like the right, audio right. people that worked there, the, the set people, you guys with the mm-hmm. techs were all running the show. You didn't have like these weird producers that had only done TV. It was road people doing Jimmy no. Fallon at that time. And, and that, yep. Yeah, dude. So that's, yeah, no, that's, 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 that's wild. Like, and again, you see these be the stories though, where it's like you could be in a space with somebody. And again, we're talking so many 15, almost 15 years ago now. And it's like, that's a, that's a, so here's another space. So we must already <laughs> work together as well. Were you with Fallout Boy when they did the first Obama inauguration? Of course I was. I was your backline tech. I know you were. Working for <laughs> working for working for uh for center staging at the time. Yep. And we we played with Kanye that day at the youth ball. Abs absolutely. And I, I was the backline yes. tech covering all of this. This is stuff, amazing. Man. I didn't I didn't know this when we hold on. For the record, like we'll pause here for a second. Like, so when you know Kyle and I have ventured out to do this loose connection thing. Him and I both have like this short list of like the people we knew that we want to have different conversations with, never had before. Right, right. And I swear, I swear, <laughs> Dietrich, like you're up there in my top sure. five, right? And so, like, had yeah. no idea that Kyle had any history whatsoever <laughs> with working with you in the past. Yes. <laughs> and and that night we went down to the 9:30 club, and we saw yes. Cheryl Crow <laughs> and the Beastie Boys for the Mayor's Ball. Holy yeah. shit! And I believe you went to Dietrich and that was the night yeah. that uh, Patrick actually ran into Usher and knocked him down backstage. But dude, <laughs> yeah. so this brought it's back a epic. whole whole flood of memories of things this that epic. and that that's how close this culture is, is like no, truly, truly a, a parallel thing. And it, I, I love it because now I can tie these stories together, but I've been trying to tell with another person that can tell it from a different angle that is just tying the whole fucking story together. It's crazy. All right. For the record, this is the best, like, play on, like, so obviously for anyone who's following along here, Loose Connection, right? Like, I mean, these are just the connections this that we have, right? And Apparently. holy shit, this Apparently. is probably the pinnacle so far of, like, yeah. Loose oh, Connections it, that we didn't Chris, even plan. And, and you know like, as well as I do, it goes from here into other people that we know doing other things in the business oh, now 100%. as well. Yeah. The teacher and I, we've done one tour together, uh, freaking 15 right, years right. ago, right? Like... And the amount of people that have connected in between there at this point, you know, is just, it, it's, it, wild, it's, it's but, so yeah. wild, man. It's like, but again, these are the things that we truly appreciate. These are the things that I love and what keeps me in the business and loving the business that we're in. That you, it's, amen. I, you can work with somebody from yeah. a billion years ago and not know the connection until now we're sitting here talking right now. It's like, well, hold on. And then you start going to your brain, like, okay, you see an artist and now I can start connecting the dots. The roots work with everybody. And once you say fallout boys, yeah. like, I can name now things that had nothing to do with the roots where I'm on a whole separate job now that had even nothing to do with them at that time. Yep. And I was working in that space then. That is crazy. It was so cold. Oh my God. It was so cold. It was brutal. Oh, it was, I still have the Obama coin and everything. Like, 
I, that's I wild. Still, yeah. I still tell the story of when... And, and I was in the city, at least. Right. I was in the city. I was doing the actual inauguration over at the Capitol building. Didn't know either of you. Well, sorry, I knew Dietrich, but right, right. I, I mean, we didn't, we, we didn't know it was the same town. Right, so right. anyway, go ahead, go ahead oh, Kyle. I, I just, I still remember, we were just excited to be in the Hinkley Hilton. Right. Oh, and the and Hilton, they took us yes, into the, the, the foyer where they had covered up the presidential seal with a piece of carpet. And they're like, yep, yep. everybody turn and face the wall because President Obama is going to come in. About to walk out and shake everybody's hand. And check this out. I'm standing next to Pete Wentz. And then on the other side of Pete Wentz is Kanye. And he said some <laughs> shit that I'll never forget when we face the wall. And then we turned around and all of a sudden I'm shaking President Obama's hand and there's a first lady and like... It was mind blowing. Yeah. And and I tell you what, the quality of people that were working that whole thing had no yeah. it was nothing about politics. Let's let's go ahead mm. and put that out there right now. It, it was not it had it, nothing right. to do with politics. It had to deal with that moment in time. It was a moment. It was it was insane. Kid Rock was on there too. Yes, he was. Kid Rock was on there. Listen, Kid Rock was there at the old he was. Was. <laughs> at the old bio. You listen, hey, he was on the set. He was totally there. There was a, and and everybody was getting along, and everybody was. We didn't. It was great. It was, it was amazing. Like we literally walked. Thing, it was. Great. We took a cab to the nine thirty club, and everybody we'd worked with that day was at the nine thirty club for Beastie Boys and Cheryl Crow. And Usher was there as an no. announcer. It was crazy. Yo, that is so crazy. That is crazy, man. Wow. That is that is so crazy. Oh man, that. That's crazy to have that right now. Good to, go to, back good to, to meet to. you again, my man. <laughs> Absolute. Good to see you in another lifetime. Look at that. <laughs> Truly. Jeez, I had no idea. Literally until right now. Damn. <laughs> That's so crazy, man. But back to Jeez. back to the Jimmy Kimmel or not Jimmy Fallon thing. Jimmy Fallon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, Fallon, Jimmy right. Fallon. I, I think we have to stress that that show was run differently than every late night show. And we we as as touring people had done every late night show, every morning show, everything from yep, Rockefeller all. Center all up and down mm -hmm. New York City to LA and ABC, NBC, like you name them, we covered them. And they had a show, we did it. And this was the first time a band could walk into a show like that and feel like we were taken care of and that it mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd walk into nope, Letterman and just feel like awkward all day. You'd you'd walk into yep. Jay Leno and he'd be super nice, but the it was an awkward oh, but, awkward. It was just absolutely yep. and uh, it didn't feel it didn't feel warm. Like like no puns intended, especially like physically know. physically and mentally. Yeah, right, yeah. Just, for for the record, for, for anyone who has never been on a, one of these TV studios, they are insanely cold. Now, I will say that Letterman had a joke that he would tell of why his studio was so cold. Mm -hmm. and I think it's funny, so I'll say right. it. He's, he likes to keep the comedy fresh. And that right. was his joke as to why it was so cold. But anyway. I think it was to keep the engineers <laughs> alive for longer. Because <laughs> they were there <laughs> until that thing ended. The end. Yeah, at the end, like you didn't change anybody out. I'm like, for sure, definitely one of those. And that's a lot of the TV shows, uh, you know, just that space. And what I appreciate just about, you know, being now I, I don't uh, work for The Tonight Show anymore. I've since gone on and worked for a late night with Seth Meyers. And that's where I'm currently at now. Um, my title is the senior music coordinator, uh, which for all intents and purposes, for real, for real, it's an AKA of a production manager, which would be the, you know, event coordinator of any... Anything music related, you know, that, that happens on the show uh, with the house band and any guest bands, I'm in charge of all of that. So I advance all of the, you know, performances that happen on the show. 
Uh, like I said on the Tonight Show, I was an A2. I was an audio tech. Two completely different jobs uh, on two completely different sides for sure. Uh, where the Tonight Show side uh, is more was more of a you know like a contract uh, contractor uh, working for the show. So union based and all that kind of stuff um, backed. And then now uh, I work for NBC Universal. So I'm staff for the building. So it's on, you know, just another side of it. So again, one of those spaces where I've gotten to work on multi, multiple sides. I mean, Chris, uh, we had talked about before where I was like, you know, in my life, I feel like I've honestly been able to have seen almost every side of what is this business uh, that we're in. From, like I said, being a drummer to then being a drum tech and then being a backline tech for a backline company. And then, you know what I mean? And then, like, and then just the different spaces of how this work going to a TV show and now being a part of a TV show and then now really helping run a TV show. And so, like, all of these things were like, okay, I was first time walking in the room. You were the guy just showing up, getting the lobby call, and you went to that TV show and you set up. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I'm sending out what the lobby calls, I'm sending out what is the what time I need you in the studio and giving you the rules and regulations of my show. And what, what a lot of people will definitely enjoy uh, once we get start talking and them realizing that I'm not, you know, and it's, it's nothing against people, but we know what it's like, what, you know, the feeling or the, the, the idea that we feel like when you come to TV, it's not what we are used to. They don't understand us. So being a guy who has that backing, it works great in my position where as soon as we start advancing, I can tell them in the media, like, just so we're clear, I also have, Oh man, this is about to be easy. Okay, this is all I need. Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, the advance becomes so easy because they're like, "You understand us. We we know that you know exactly what we are, what we mean by this." The whole idea where I'm the senior music coordinator and there's it's a production manager. You know what I mean? For our world, it's a production manager. But because of the corporate, you know, way that things are set up, you know, the titles and how that goes, it's a very elaborate title. Uh, but to make it as common mm-hmm. as humanly possible, production manager, the production manager of the show. So. And- Give somebody who has never done any of the stuff that we done, because I'm feeling the energy of, because I know what you do is sort of what I do and it's been a part of it. What would you tell somebody who has never walked into Rockefeller Center? They've only seen it on fucking parades and when they light the tree and Mm -hmm. shit, like what was the energy like in that building? Because there's so much stuff that people consume that comes from that place what was that like walking in there as a normal human that doesn't have this all access thing? Like, what did you experience that you could tell people that have never had this experience before? From to me, like just on a working side, like my first time going in there as a worker or just yeah, like being in there, just, be, so, just being so, in there. Like, so the first time going in the building, First time in the building, I think it might have been with the Roots, like for the first load in for late night with Jimmy Fallon. That was the first time going in there. Just the, that energy was definitely crazy. Just like one, we're on a set and the set is about our guys. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, wait, this is this is our set. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this is not just a set. Like, this is ours. This is about to be the Roots band today. Like, this is cool. Like, this is about to be every night. This is going to be the Roots every night. Like, this is... <laughs> That that energy and every you know just it being a new thing and just watching how the stage hands and everybody and just loading in the gear and the prop people being there and everybody's you know they're building this and making sure that the color schemes are it's like yo this is this is like this is really major like this is about to be like <laughs> like you know what I mean it was like this you know again and they're matching up the certain colors okay now what a color that drum set is it another color we can maybe get I don't know if that's going to really go well with the wall painting you're like I didn't 
really think about that. Like, you know what I mean? To watch to watch the level of what people are really thinking on the TV side and watching it happen in real time, how fast things need to be turned around where, you know, we could have might be a night. It's not really that like things need to be turned around immediately. Like it's a it's a and go when that countdown goes. We're ready. Lights, camera, action. Like it's really like camera action. And, you know, and, and that energy is that way the whole day. It's always being carried out that way. You could just stand in a hallway and you're just watching people just running. You yeah. can watch props go flying down the room that you'll go down the hallway this way. So what other uh, shows were like you walk by a bunch of other shows on the way to the what show? Was, what other shows exactly. were right there, right there at that time? So back, I'm about to say back then, I'm about to say who's across. I, I think Conan might have been still across the hall. Yep. I'm almost, I'm almost certain Conan was still across the hall. There was a doctor show. Tonight, there was a doctor show. Oh, Doctor Oz. That's Dr. what it was. Oz. It was Doctor Oz. Doctor Oz is what was over there before that was Roseanne's show. Yep. Uh, she was upstairs on eight, which is my studio that I'm in now with Seth Meyers. Uh, and that's the other thing is like so now there's a Kelly Clarkson show is downstairs across from the Tonight Show now, so they're on six together. Uh, eight has SNL. And my show, Late Night with Seth Myers, that's at the end of my hallway. So for me, my studio is the first studio as soon as you get off the elevator. And then SNL is always in the hallway, which is not a you know crazy distance. But the idea of me standing in the hallway and what happens right now every day. Today is a reading day. So the whole cast comes in so they could all sit at the round table and read. And you're watching all of this just happen. Like, wait, that hey, that's wherever the special guest is. And I'm walking in and everybody is not security covered because you're in Rockefeller. Right? So they walking very loose now. It's just like weirdest randomest thing in the bathroom. They're about to leave out of the bathroom. Stall door opens. It's the rock. Just me and him. Just That's all. I'm sorry. Just took a dump. <laughs> just like whatever. Hey, man. <laughs> the, the most like, hey, rock. <laughs> what the hell? At that point, do you just call him Dwayne or are you just like him? <laughs> it's like out of hand. Exactly. It's like, I don't know what this like, This is formal, informal. We're in the bathroom. Like, I don't What is happening right now? Like, and that was and that was very early days of you know what I mean like being in there and it was I'm in the bathroom just finishing washing my hands and then stall opens up and he just steps out he's like hey what's going on brother and I'm just like I'm looking in the mirror back behind me like that's no <laughs> I I always associate it with like people walking by castles and cathedrals in Europe and they're just like oh it's like a thousand year old building or whatever right, like, right for sure after a while you just get so numb to it that's why it's so interesting in the stories like I remember the first thing I did when I went when we were on SNL is I went to the elevator mm-hmm. shaft because you always hear about the elevator shaft that all the guests all the cast everyone wrote something on the walls like you just said yeah. that where you were doing your show is where Roseanne was. Do you know how many people watched Roseanne? Absolutely. And I, this, like, Dr. Oz, all these shows, had they had a long run. They had a very long stint on TV where everybody could talk about it. They were part of a culture like where we could all speak on them for a, a, quite a few age groups can all speak about the Roseanne show. Can all speak about, again, Conan show. There's, there's these shows that you can talk about. And now there's different shows in these studios, but still, nonetheless, they just add to the legend of these other shoes that have come through there as well. You know, now having Kelly Clarkson on the East coast rather than the West coast, that, right. that's a different space now. And what that energy is. So one of the things that you, you and I, we had a conversation last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had such a long standing relationship with quest love with mm-hmm. roots and, and stuff. Um, and then obviously, you know, with him being, you know, Jimmy Fallon stuff. So 
he's got a studio, I guess his green room or whatever there. Right. And so yeah. you, you've had these relationships with drummers as they come through. So um, two things, can you explain um, how the house band for Seth Meyers does this rotational drummer thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of told me how like everyone wants to go see quest or go see his, all his drum collection yeah. talk about some of all of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. So we do on, on late night with Seth Meyers. Um, the actual drummer is uh, Fred Armisen. Uh, who's an amazing comedian, amazing actor, uh, but he's the drummer for the actual show. Like, so that's his spot. But because of who he actually is, he can't be there. You know what I mean? Because he's constantly working. So one of the uh, one of the other producers of the show and Fred and the other producers, they all kind of sat down and he came up with this idea to create a rotating drummer uh, program on our show. So the house band is what it is. Uh, Eli Jenner called the AG band. Uh, which the music director is uh, Eli Jennings. Uh, then there's uh, Seth Jabor and, uh, and Sid Butler. And that's the three people who are just the house band themselves, three amazing guys. Uh, they also have a band of their own. But it's those three guys, and then there's a rotating drummer where every Monday a new drummer comes in. Every Monday it could be any random you know, person that we reach out to just get this opportunity to come onto the show. They get to sit in. And, you know, and they get to play for the whole entire week. They get, you know, every day they learn how to do the walk-ons and the walk-offs and how to do commercial breaks and things like that. Walk-ons and walk-offs. Basically, when, you know, the person comes out, tonight's, you know, coming out is they introduce the person and the band starts playing. The person walks over, shakes their hands, sit down. That's a walk-on, walk-off. Same thing as they go to the commercial break at the end of the interview. That's the walk-off. And basically that's the, you know, that's a part of what the drummer has to learn uh, with the music um, and just how that format goes of how we do it in TV. You could be a drummer, the greatest drummers we have come through, greatest drummers in the world come through, and it just doesn't matter. It's a different muscle you're using. And to watch those guys who are, again, they're the most elite drummers there are, but to get their brains to play and know to stop when it's like we're back from the commercial, you have to stop at that moment. And the guys are like, it's just like you know that's <laughs> that, that that won't work you you gotta literally when their legs hit the couch you need to be coming to and we're back you can't still be at a right. drum roll and it's just great like right. to watch some of the greatest drummers in the world come through and all of them getting caught in that moment of like i thought i knew it it's like yeah nope 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 it's not it's it's a different muscle. Well, it, it, it's it's a lesson in that the show's not about you anymore. Correct. It's totally not about you at all. Like, you know what I mean? And what licks and what accents you can give this, it's like, no, no, no. This has to stop. When he says five, four, three, two, and then one, you need to be coming back and stopping as clean as possible on the one. And it's always landing on the one, but you have to create that one. And they're like, wait, but I just got here. It's like, yeah, but you're on the drums and you're going to need to play this. It's like, uh <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. 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 Okay. All right. All right. Let's do it one more time. One more time. It's like okay. Cool. I'm like so. Yeah. No. It's a. It's a. It's a really dope thing. Um. Especially to be you know uh, an extra drummer, a drum tech. Um. You know to be able to work with these different drummers that get to come through. People who I don't know. People who I do know. People who you know I I look up to and admire. Just these drummers and just be able to get to work with them in a different space. I didn't get to work with them on the road per se or you know stuff like that, but I get the opportunity to work with them on my show and they're there for the whole week sitting in and it's, it's a great thing. Um, if they have like, you know, a book or, you know, a tour or something that they're working on, all of that stuff gets worked into the show where every time they come back from commercial break, they'll say your name and what you got working. Also sitting in with us right now, Chris is sitting in with us. He's joining us right now. He's normally out with Aerosmith, but right now he's sitting in with us for the week. But you know what I mean? Like 
and you're right. getting that every night. That's something that you just can't pay for. You can't pay for that level of publicity. You know what I mean? And the idea of that late night with Seth Myers every night is telling, saying your name and what you got going on. So they created that program, and it's it's been really cool. I've been on the show. I've been on Seth now seven years. I think seven years I've been on the show. So just think seven years and basically about 52 weeks. Every week is a different drama. Wow. Monday to Thursday. We take Monday to Thursday. And I get, again, it's just some of the some of the greatest. And cast again, that you, I've just never heard of. And cast that I have. And it's just like, yo, who? Rock guys are, you know, and it's not like it's a one type of drummer thing. Like it's it's any and all drummers that, you know, you call in and they, they bring in and, it, you know, I get this work with them and set up. And that same thing where we're working with guys and I set up a kit and I got it tuned up because I do the drum tech thing as well for that part of uh, the band. Being that that's something that I do as well. I'm like, you know, they was like, oh, well, this works out as well. You get a two for one. You got me as a production manager dealing with the, the overall music that gets booked on the show and can take care of the drummer. Every time this, you know, every week or whatever, when they come in. So that question that you asked about, has anybody ever been bad, mad or, you know, upset up or not appreciative of the work I've done? Thank God still, <laughs> I, I can say that it hasn't happened yet. And we've definitely had some guys where I was like, I don't know how this might go over. Like, you know, just in a, we got a rock guy on in my, my, my mental or what I might think might be even just like kind of pre-tweaking the kit where they sit down and they hit the drums and they're like, Hey man, these drums sound really, really good, man. And I don't even play this brand of kit, but this kit sounds really good. Don't tell my brand I said that. I'm like, it's okay, it's all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I it definitely, I definitely appreciate, you know, just that that still carries on. That there's not a lack even still in that, you know. And not that I still don't do it because I still work for the Roots and work for Quest, but just in the sure. the, the, the diversity and what the drummers are that come through and being able to tune up a kit and be a rock guy, a jazz guy, whoever comes in and play, that I'm still be happy with what is the initial tuning and we've never worked together. I normally just do what is my process to prepare for when the drummers come in and I base it off of that. I do some research and, you know, as one should do, try to have it as close to what I've realized that their sound kind of is to me and I start there and it comes off really dope. But again, from Chaz Smith to the you names it, it's, it's a journey. You know what's interesting? I'm curious to hear this from your perspective, and Kyle and I have talked about this on previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. As as a as an audio person mm-hmm. who you know has a mixed drummers or and like say specifically a house kit where it's different drummers. So in my instance, it was a you know a church, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you got the same kit every week, yeah. but yet the drummer changes. Right. I I was fascinated when I came to the conclusion or realization that like. Or that I wasn't crazy, that it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that um, y- just changing the person behind the kit will change how that kit sounds. 100%. Like specifically the kick drum, you know, in the snare, but like, but really the kick drum. It's like mind boggling <laughs> how same, like n- no tuning change, but just the way the player, like maybe how long they leave the beater against the head. Yep. Or how Move. hard they hit, or whatever. And it's like it can change the whole tone of a kit just by changing the person. Listen. So, like, have you experienced that through your time and stuff, especially like with this house kit and stuff? Yeah. Like, like what's, what's been your experience there? No, it, that's definitely the case. Like, you know, uh, I could I could tune the kit up the same way every time, but because the player is different. Like, and again, it's the same kit, but because the player is different, and I can have the same heads on there. The player being what their touch is, where they hit on the drum compared to where another person might hit. One person might play closer to the rim. Another person might play dead center of his drums. He like hitting directly in the center of those drums. 
all different tones, the type of stick that they use, all of that, like all of these different things play into that. One guy might show up and he's using something that looks like a damn tree log. And then another guy shows up and he's using chopsticks and just like those drums are not going to sound the same. You know what I mean? While using all the same stuff, but the player and that stick can completely change everything. Sometimes they can have the same stick, but it just still won't sound the same. Guys yeah. lay into drums different. Some guys just kind of hit and, you know, move around the kit. Some guys really lay in. You're watching the guy bring his hand from up here, hit the snare. You're like, okay, yeah. we're going to change that head halfway through this show. Like, <laughs> uh, and and just set the record straight. And girl drummers too, lady drummers. It's oh, not just guy drummers. Oh it's, no, no, just, yeah. and that's the thing. Also, like we again, our show we have every like we have everybody's on our show. Like again, it's very diverse. And there's there's women drummers, there's male drummers. Like we we even had a kid on our show who's six, he was 16 at the time, which he wasn't even supposed to be on our show, but he's. Such an amazing drummer that we had him on the show, and for the record, that she, that's all the the drummers I follow now on Instagram and TikTok are young girls, and they fucking shred. They got something to say. They got something to say. They're making it very clear that they've been had something to say, but they're making it very clear now because you have this, you know, the social media thing where it can be pushed out way more than what it was ever uh, before. And I'm appreciated. I'm I'm enjoying coming across all the different female drummers and especially these young female drummers again, and they're just, they got gas, just like how the young guys are. Dude. Everybody like, yo, he's a go-getter. Insane. No, they, uh, Hold on. <laughs> Have you seen David? I saw a video the day of David Foster's, like, two-year-old kid um, just wailing on the drums. Have you seen this yet? I have not. But I'm, I can, again, like, it's... It's ridiculous. It's bananas. Like, I'm like... These COVID hey, babies are different, too. Let's talk about <laughs> COVID. <laughs> like because yep. I've seen some videos of some COVID babies where I'm like, for real. All right, chap- chapter two of this episode <laughs> right. is COVID right babies. now. I'm just I'm just gonna draw a line right now. No. For real, <laughs> it's like these COVID musician babies are crazy. Like the way that they're able to download the same thing, like the way that they're able to download this thing that has taken us past your ten thousand hours to really get good at. These kids are coming out the womb, being able to, and I'm just like, what? Like what? Is- where did that come from? Like, what are you seeing that you're able to attach that in such a way and everybody can do a chop and really be on time? And re- It's a hobby like, for and, them. Like, they're going to grow up and be a dentist. And they're just a really, <laughs> and they're really good drummer. But they just want to be a dentist because their parents were like, here's these drumsticks. It's COVID. <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> this will be Take fun. get out of my Truly, it, def- it feels that way. But there's definitely this different breed of musicians that are now that now exist. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching uh, women at the forefront of, you know, catching a lot of these new fresh, it's a new fresh sound that I'm happy to hear. Like, you know what I mean? That I, I could be scrolling and all of a sudden I could scroll into be four or five different female drummers and they got the juice. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm for this. It's a different approach. And I'm, you know, it, not to say that you get tired of the guy side, but. You know. and, and at the beginning you were talking about watching Prince and they had the electronic drums and, and things going on in, in Chile E and the whole nine yards. Yeah. I love the, the, the dudes and the girls now that are using acoustic drums to recreate those sounds or play like a drum machine, which, yeah. which to a drummer should be mind boggling. Because remember when we started this, we didn't even have a click track. You know what I'm saying? And now, <laughs> just hit it. And, and, and now it's like tempo is a thing. And those kids nope. know how to work tempo better than most jazz drummers from the seventies. Like it'll swing. Yeah, little small. Yeah, I'm about to say a little more smallest jam band will still show up and have click track ready to go. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? Like, and they can work it. Track? They can work it and yeah. groove it like nobody. Like with a drive that's so clean. You're like, wait, what? 
you haven't been here long enough to sound like this. Nope. Like what you have like where is that coming from? So it's like for us, it's all pouring out of your heart. You're like, I'll pour my heart out of this. Yeah. This kid, this is down and they're just in it. You're like, wait, I don't want you to make that look that easy. I don't. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you say? 10,000 hours. And now it's like <laughs> they just get home from school and they and they throw on YouTube and they do a lesson. And then in a week, they're putting up their own video. It's crazy. It's with, crazy. With 100,000 followers. <laughs> do, do, <laughs> you know? Does Quest ever call you or do you ever call Quest or walk down to the studio and be like, I miss you, dude? Like, since you split to go to Seth. <laughs> Like, did, well, hold on. You you still got time. <laughs> I just wanted to ask that because, like, you were with that dude for twenty years, and Quest and, and Quest was like the drum machine of drums. Like, if you wanted a hip hop drummer, you got Quest. Period. Like that was it. And you still do, and, and you still do. And mm-hmm. you guys were, you guys are just bros. That that's not even a work relationship no more. Nah, it's not. It's it's not. Because well, was he was he back from the Black Lily, right? Because you knew him yeah. from that club, like right? yeah, exactly. I mean, again, that's that was theirs. Like that was their thing. So it was like, but at that time, like it was it wasn't like they were there every week. It would it's their thing. So everybody around them while they're out doing their roots thing is around. And that's who's running everything. The people who are behind the scenes and now the people who are now management. Like you know what I mean? Like everybody was yeah. leveling up while they were leveling up as well. So had soft relationships back then and you know what i mean and as you know just again as the years keep going and keep going down your people see your face you, you're known for a thing you're able to be more around and it's like okay all right, okay you then realize oh, oh you're a drum tech yo can you uh <laughs> if you call can you call dietrich and see if he's available for a thing but when i when i left the when i left the show definitely was like a little baby it's like man what do you mean for me i'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm going two floors up. What, what, are, you, what are you talking <laughs> You're on six and I'm on eight. Like, what is wrong with you, sir? <laughs> like, I know, but like, you know, like, I mean, but you're not going to be like right, right there. And I'm just like, bruh, I'm, I'm on eight. You're on six. You can hear me, actually. You're like, you can hear my studio above your head and I can hear you below us. Yep. You could yell and I could get to you. Like it's okay. You'll be People all right. People who don't do our jobs don't understand the relationship that some techs form with their artists. Mm. Yes. And and we yeah. we talked about that on the Brian Diaz episode, you know, and he and he always yep. said that he's all business, but I think even if you cut all that back, there is this bit of personal attachment. Like, you know, some of those fools in <laughs> the Eagles and like these old bands from back in the day are still carrying the same folk that they had with them from day one until they can't carry them, you know? And I was, that's a testament to our I, jobs. I was blessed enough to do a month long ACDC rehearsal. Whoa. You want to talk about like a longevity team? Yeah. Pab. But the youngest, Pab. The, the youngest at, <laughs> I'm like the youngest cat there is like 78. I'm like, wait, yeah, everybody's been here since the beginning. Okay. Like that's a, and that's to me, like to now look at it, like to me, that's what the roots absolutely like embody. They're one of those bands that embody that same thing where it's like, once we figure out who our nucleus is, what, what are we changing? Like, what are we, what are we, why are we looking back at the formula again? Unless something goes wrong, like, you know what I mean? What, what is there to look at or to want to retest and re go at the formula for? This all goes the way it's supposed to. We can do anything and everything when we got our team. So long as our team is there, there's no question to be asked. And if one person from our team is missing, we still all cover it like the whole team is there. Doesn't matter. Yep. Okay, cool. During when COVID happened, it would be times where two out of two out of the four production people can go to the gig. Three out of the four people. One out of the four people. And where it's like, all right, cool. I okay, I'm doing everything. Okay, I, I yo, yo man, I tested positive too. Damn it, all right, it's just me. Okay, cool. All right, well, 
And now I'm, I got a picture and I have three walkie talkies on. Why? Because two guys were out. So I was covering three jobs, my own job and two other guys. But I had everybody's walkie talkies on at the same time. They took a picture like, really, Dietrich? I was like, I mean, <laughs> this is what it is. Like, you know, it was a joke and we're laughing. But at the end of the day, the idea of knowing that those guys not being there wasn't a matter of it. one person being our production manager and the other person being a backline tech. And I'm covering the production manager and our keyboard tech and my own job, which is the stage manager and a drum tech for the roots all at the same time. And nothing ever missed. There was no, oh, damn, we missed something there. The job got done. And that's that's the thing that, you, you know, that, that stands the will of time when you have the right people around you, that it's nothing that really can't be done. Like, especially when it's respect being had by everybody, you know, the, the artists, there's respect being had there, you know, the treatments of what's going on. You're not being treated any kind of way. You know what I mean? Where a person is staying in, you know, a, a diamond hotel and you're, you're lucky if you're at a holiday inn. It's like, no, that's not the case at all. Um, you know, working with them, it's, it's constantly a space where wherever we, wherever they stay, that's where we stay. However, they fly there. That's how we fly there. If they're getting on a private jet, we're all getting on a private jet. There's never where, okay, we're, they're going to meet us there because they have a private jet waiting for them and we're going to be in economy over here waiting and hopefully get a seat and it's going to be an aisle seat or a middle seat. It's like, nah, nah, nah. It's everybody cool to flight leaves at this time. And that plays into our whole crew working on the show as well because everybody's there whenever we got to go do a gig. We're weekend warriors now because of the TV show stuff. So on Friday when they get finished taping, because my show tapes Monday to Thursday, I normally will fly out right after my show or first thing Friday morning to go do the gig where they got a tape on Friday night so they can't normally fly out till, you know, late Friday night. They're getting that red eye out to fly out. I can go get everything, start getting set up, you know, get the loading started, all that. By the time they get there, everybody just doing the other techs and whatnot and the audio team are loading up their files, but everything is already set up and ready to go. And be it that we can all basically do the same kind of job, you know, it makes it just makes that so much easier yep. where nobody has to think about it. We rent all of Quest's drums. We don't carry anything other than his cymbals. Everywhere we go, I just rent a kit. Uh, uh, two things. A testament to those behind the scenes like yourself who take care of people like that. And then the second yeah. thing is that feeling that you had after you lost that gig in D.C. after you quit school and high school about <laughs> feeling like you're in the right position and that you are where you need to be. Those two things came together in all those statements, which is perfect. Okay, truly, truly. And, and, that's, and that's definitely like, you know, even this idea where we were talking about like how what the energy is like coming into Thirty Rock, that it it I'm I'm it never has gotten in, and I hope it never does become just like a eh, whatever. Like I'm just in this place. Like I enjoy that every day I walk in there. I'm like I look up at that building every day. Like I'm fucking believable. Like this is this is real. Like this is this is like you know it, it just honestly you know again especially when it's not something that you. You wrote in your plan book. You know what I mean? It wasn't something that you put down and like, I'm going to work in TV. I'm going to like, no, there's no short list. There was no long list. It was just, I, I just remember in high school saying that I knew for a fact I would definitely be in the entertainment business. That's something I knew. Mm. I, I didn't know where it would be at. And I made it very clear. I didn't know where it was going to be at, but I knew I would be in this business somewhere for sure. And then now 24 years later, in this business and in a different space and uh, thank you and i you know yeah, again i just i truly appreciate just the the being here and being able to not just be here but um being someone who's who's needed while here like not just in the room you know what i mean that i'm there for a job and people respect me for my job and even the tv world uh the same way you know 
that that notion that a lot of us have, you know, when we first come into the TV space, it's like, oh, man, these guys, you know what I mean? Then the same way they look at us, oh, here come these real guys, and they don't come in here with their BS, and anybody trying to hear this nonsense they talking about. And to be the middleman in between <laughs> and be able to help them feel differently than how we may have felt or how they may have felt about each one of us. And I mean, to be able to be like, nah, guys, which I don't understand is that when we coming in from this other, we couldn't off a plane coming from just doing a loadout that we didn't get out of until two o'clock in the morning. And then we have to be to you guys at five in the morning that guys are, we're not trying, nobody's trying to be snappy or smart with y'all. We're a little, we're a little cloudy. We're trying to wake up still where you guys, this is your routine. This is what you do. And haven't been able to have those conversations because I'm on the inside and I'm a part of the team now, you know, I, now they look at it a lot different. Guys, now it's not like on some like, it come these fucking guys now. It come these, these road guys, here they come. It's like, nah, <laughs> it's very much open. Like, you know, at least I can speak for my show for sure. Like, I enjoy being able to let guys know. Like, nah, they're like, I know we can't touch nothing when we get there. And I'm like, that's actually not really true. Like, we have to run everything, you know what I mean, per se. But my audio team, they will gladly let you come back there. You can't load a file and none of that, but he will build a file and let you come back there and give you time to work on the board where you shouldn't be touching our boards at all. Our guys are cool with the idea of understanding, like, yo, guys, they help them. This is going to help everybody if you give them a little bit more leeway and allowing them to be able to talk to their artists and say, yo, I personally went back there and put your little EQs on there so you good now your artist mentally. You know, a lot of it is mental. Yeah, The artist mentally is like, okay, well, my guy got to touch some stuff. All right, so we good. I watch a little so, stuff like that matter. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, for sure. So tying all that together, the mental thing, mm -hmm. you used to tour, you're doing TV. So... Um, looking back to when you more were touring or when you're in a live show, <clears throat> what is the pinnacle of the day for you? What kind of defines success? What drives you there? And how has that changed? How do you define that for yourself when you're in the studio and doing a TV show? What's the pinnacle? What's that, 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 that peak of the day for you? Um, my peak of the day. So today we, uh, we happen to have a band on today, like, the peak of the day is honestly waking up on like that that first my Monday morning like actually that, it didn't even have to be a, just a band just in general that Monday morning first no matter what has happened throughout my weekend when I pull up to that sign and it says Thirty Rockefeller Plaza it's lights cameras action for me I don't drink coffee anything like that at all I don't do Red Bulls nothing like that. I get on my train I commute from Philadelphia to New York every day back and forth. I feel like I, I couldn't, I wouldn't do that if I didn't genuinely love what it is that I'm into doing. Like if the, my commute is, to me, I don't feel like it's long, but if it, it could be longer and I think I would still be very much okay with getting up and doing what it is that I do every day. And I pull up the 30 rock and I'm like, cool. Like, and then the first time seeing my name in the credits, it was like, okay, all right. That tied it all in. Like the show Jade has gone off and then I was like, Wait, Paul. Who? Wait, wait. Oh, wait. Hey, <laughs> my name. My name's in the credits. Like, hold on, Mama. Look, <laughs> Mama. Look, look. Look, sexy everybody. Look, my name's in the credits. Look, show go on. Look at this. Like, you know. And of course, that's that's a self gratification thing. Like, but honestly, just the pulling up to the building. Honestly, knowing that I'm a part of when I when I when I walk in that building and I'm putting my badge on and this badge is hung in my name and. It, it, it's an energy when I put that on in the morning and walk out my door to know that I'm about to go put on a show that the masses are going to watch bigger than almost as big as again, when we go do our concerts and what that is entertaining that group of people like to know that every night what I do goes out to a whole 
therefore in space of people. It's not just like a live stream thing that we could do with that one space on the concert side. This is an everyday stream. <laughs> Go back and watch it as many times as you want. And then know when we have a band on and different things that I knew that I had to put my fingers in my hand on or my yes or my no to uh, for it to come out the way that it is. Like, it's just really, really cool. That's the stuff that really keeps me going. When people in the show who've been doing this their whole life come to me and they're asking my, you know, opinion or suggestion on things that might, that they could, you know, add to something that they got going on. I'm just like, you want my input? Like, <laughs> what? And it's like, but, you know, moving from that space and understanding, like, my input does matter. I do have something to say. Like, I mean, they're not trying to be in anybody's business, but in the space that it, no, I am somebody who could be asked this question and looked at it as somebody who could also have an answer for you, you know, or at least be able to help you move this along. So it's all of those things and working with an amazing team up at late night with Seth Meyers, like they, every, I mean, tonight's show was amazing as well, but I've, I've put more time in on the Seth Meyers show. Uh, like I said, I only did the tonight show for one year and uh, I left on my one year anniversary and started on late night with Seth Meyers. But just that team at late night, starting with Seth Meyers and all the producers and everybody underneath there, like, it's just, they make you want to come to work. We have a blast every day. I like, I mean, we really have a blast every day. Like if there's nothing going on, we could just sit in the hallway and everybody is just cracking up laughing, cracking jokes on my worst day. I feel like I could go to work and just, I'm going to be laughing. I'm going to enjoy myself. People are going to check on you. People want to, you know what I mean? Everybody's tapped in with one another, but it starts with Seth. Like Seth is really that guy. He's super, super down to earth. You know what I mean? Super, super, just genuine guy. Like very, very approachable. He's not one of those like no one goes to his wing of the building side kind of guy. Like not a, he's in there chilling, hanging with everybody. What's going on, guys? What's, what's, you Philly, I'm Pittsburgh, man. We we, we got to battle this out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but these are conversations that we really have and can have. And my birthday, you know, getting a gift from the office or from him personally, where he just hand writes you out a note or something. Or he has this really old typewriter that he he likes giving people notes off of his typewriter. Typewriter is old as hell, but I have this note that he wrote me on one of my birthdays off this typewriter. It's, it's just so many great little wow, things. That's awesome. Yeah, my, being able to take the family up there. My son has been to my office so many times. He might as well work there as well with me. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, like everybody knows him. Christmas holiday time, they want to take him shopping. Uh, is, what, what day is Beecher coming in? Because we want to take him. Like, hey, 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 leave him alone. He has more than enough toys. I barely <laughs> have room in my house right now for this stuff. It's like, you know what I mean? But it's a blessing at the same time. It's, you know, I, I enjoy that my family is able to now, you know, receive the perks from, you know, the work that I put in and the work that I have put in. And I enjoy that. Like, that's, again, that's what drives me every day to get up at whatever time in the morning or, you know, or come home whatever time at night, uh, knowing that I've, I've helped, you know, do do this thing that I enjoy and that other people enjoy. Like, so, no, that's definitely the driving, driving force behind that is just being a part of such a great, you know, team uh, and, and company and program. So I have two things. Fanboy question. Mm-hmm. Who, who's who been mm-hmm. on one of the light, late night shows where you were like, holy shit, I just met that person. And then the second thing is probably a little bit more personal, but the whole, I, I think it was the rock. In the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> we might have already answered that one. You heard the rock taking it down. Um, the, the second one would be, who did you feel like you were proven something to do when you were doing this? Like you've mentioned your mom a ton of times and I've done that as well with myself, with my parents is like, I'm always trying to show them that I can perpetuate this, that this can be a thing. Like, it's not a joke. It's, 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 I, I have it. I can do this. Like, so fanboy, yeah. who, and then who do you feel like you're proven something to at this point? 
Fanboy. Fanboy. It's it's weird. It's <laughs> my fanboy moment. I don't know. It's this is what makes the fanboy moment so weird. Working for the roots is what makes fanboy moments hard to kind of come by because everybody's a fan of them, and because I've been working for them for so long, I've ended up in rooms with some of the most legendary people. And you're like, where do you top this at? Like. <laughs> Again, like so. I really don't. I, I I haven't met the person yet. I don't. I've, I've enjoyed plenty of people. I met the Fonz. That was cool as fuck. Like, like they had the Winkler there. It was like it was cool as hell. Andy took part in like one of our office like little uh, like um, uh, raffles that we do. Like Andy won, and it was it was like yeah. And then he brought the whole show, I think, like pizzas or some, some shit like Who that. Who can tell that like, story? You just told the story about the fucking Fonz. <laughs> Who does that? Well, you know, it, it, it be, again, it'd be so many, it'd be so many things, and it's not really even downplayed as much as like it, it becomes like it's not unfortunate, but you know, it's like so many things kind of play into it and then all start colliding together. And it's like, yo, if we started telling stories, I could sit here and tell a million stories for sure. But it's like the, a fanboying kind of thing. I've never been like a, I never think I'll really fanboy as much as like still back. I'm like, yo, this is like, wow. Like this, mm. this is some cool ass shit I'm in the middle of right now. When we do the Roots yeah. picnics and everybody who's on there every time. And it's just like, yeah. you know, Roots are playing behind them. It's just like, you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> the fanboy thing. It's like, it's not really fanboy as much as for myself. It's just more like, yo, this is some legendary shit I'm a part of. Like this is, this is definitely going to be talked about in history. I'm sure of it. Like this is, I got it. I just see it wasn't at the show though. That's what makes you get these. A lot of stuff don't be at the show. <laughs> it just be the most. It's always root stuff. Like by far, but I'll connect one. Obama. We did his birthday party that he did during COVID. The roots were the house band for his birthday party. I also did his first inauguration. So I've been able to. I did his first inauguration. I did multiple parties at the White House and then did his birthday party at his own personal house. By far, I think that might be the most fanned out thing that has happened in just my in my life in general. I'm like just into like meeting a president and being able to connect and then really have a relationship with a president. Yeah. <laughs> because there really <laughs> there really becomes a relationship when you go there you around him enough. It's like there's no way you he's not gonna know who you are. Like you can't just be around the president <laughs> of the free world like no, no. Hey, Dietrich, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I would say by far that being uh, one of my most pinnacle and then the people, of course, who are in these kind of parties where you're at the president's birthday party, you can imagine who the guest list is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like you're just walking around and it's like his parties are very open. So it's like that. That to me tops any and every fanning out thing I think could ever have played out in my life and being able to hang with what was a sitting president during his presidency and after the fact and being very much in first name basis and hugs by, from the first lady. Oh my God, so good to see you again. How are you? How you been? I'll do the thing. Oh, we just appreciate you guys being here. And it's just like, I'm sitting here having a whole conversation <laughs> with. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like to me, that's that's by far uh, the fanning out things. Um, as far as who I do it for, 
I would definitely say um, the first would be for sure my mother. Um, just, I mean, she's definitely the reason that for the season of what would be my life and existence, um, just always pushing me, always my mom being a person that would pack the drums up in the car and drive me across town because I'm playing here, but I don't have a ride. So my mom's taking me, hanging out in the nightclub till 2, 2.30 in the morning because I'm sitting and jamming somewhere and then ride me back to the crib, like, you know what I mean? And barely making enough money, making my little $50 and still need to borrow $200 even after I just gigged all night long and mom being that person who's, you know what I mean, there to do this every day for sure, you know, definitely was a matter of being able to sh one day be able to show my mom, be able to bring her into a room to be able to show her that, you know, the late nights of me playing drums and keeping the neighbors up and keeping her up and, you know, the money that she spent on sending me to, because I went to settlement music school to learn how to read music. My mom wanted me to learn how to read. She was like, I refuse to, you to be out here as a musician and not know how to read music. So at 13, she sent me to settlement music school. So that was the only like real formal, formal, uh, you know, teaching that I ever got. Um, but, you know, just again, and my mom wasn't out here to just have money to send me to stuff like that, not knowing what this future could really be like, but she invested in me because of what she thought and what she saw it was that I wanted to see through to now be, you know, in a space and state that I am, uh, you know, now just in my life and in the business. It definitely, I definitely enjoy being able to, because of the work that I put in, let my mom enjoy some things in life and, you know, be able to have her. Um, you know, just in my personal space and people know my mom and celebrities know my mom, first name basis. And they, what's up, mom? What's going on? Mom Loman, what's up? Oh, man, mom Loman in the building. Oh, my, I got to get one of them hugs. I got to get a kiss. And I got to, you know what I mean? Like, I enjoy, I enjoy that for sure. Like, you know, and, and definitely work hard and I be in the space of, you know, just my mom being able to look up and be like, that's my baby. That's my baby right there. Look, look, she that's my baby. <laughs> just you know the, the, all of it you know I, I was on TMZ because of a, a bus accident with the roots the first person that they show is me they don't show anybody else from the band but me it was like great <laughs> we're cutting through we were cutting through Germany cutting through Germany and the bus flipped over we were going to open up for Kanye West uh, his glow in the dark tour the bus flipped over they're, they're, they're getting everybody out the bus I think like my arm or something was hurt like it was hurting so they strapped me to the stretcher the whole nine they will me out. Who's right there? TMZ. <laughs> the first picture back to America. What is it? Me or the stretcher. And this is predating, like, being able to just pick up your phone and just, you know, like, right. social media being right. was then. At that point, it's like, so I'm having to call my mom. Like, mom, listen, real quick, before this gets public, you're going to see a picture of me. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> like, what? You're fine? What are you talking about? Like, what? Mom, listen, there's going to be a picture that's going to come out at some point on the news. I'm okay. So it's like, you know, but these different moments, you know what I mean? Again, just being able to tell stories with my mom and now I'm even further now having, you know, my, my wife and kids and being able to have them a part of what I, what it is I do and those relationships that I've, you know, created with these different people being, you know, celebrity or just people in the business and just being able to have them be a part of it and, you know, see their father, see their husband, their significant other, you know, be respected in the craft uh, that I love so much and that I express so much, you know, love towards. Um, that definitely pushes me even more further. And that, you know, pushed me to even go into the TV world where we're like, that was a different space. I had just, um, I just kind of, I just had my son not too long uh, before that offer. It just happened to come. And, you know, I, I was actually working for Lady Gaga. I, yeah, I'm still working for Lady Gaga. I'm like, it was like, all right, cool. And we had just done a Super Bowl. So all that was kind of done. So I was like, all right, well, just back to the normal stuff. Like, back wait, to wait, hold on. We'll just do the Super Bowl. Yeah. You no, know, listen. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Let me just drop that in there. No. <laughs> <laughs> But it, no, it was, it, you know, again, but you, just those things, it's like, like doing the Super Bowl and doing us, all these different kind of things, just taking these opportunities, working for an artist and just believing that for what was happening over there, I had never worked for an artist that yeah. big, you know, of that caliber and, you know, doing arena tour of that, of that caliber, I had never worked for anybody like that. So just believing in myself and people around me, making me feel that way and believing in me, you know, that like, you got this, this ain't about to be nothing. And, you know, me being able to be honest with myself and feeling and I think everybody should feel some little, like, not hesitation, but just, like, a little nervousness to, you know, stepping into or elevating, you know, to those next levels. Like, I don't know too many people that would sit here, so they're not telling the truth to say that you just walked in, like, oh, I knew it. Like, nah. Uh, for me, nah. I definitely walked into them spaces like, okay, like, I've never had this many people out on, you know, for all the touring that we did. It was like, nah, you know, that's a different level when you're these arenas and, you know, stadiums and all that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that Gaga, that's the tour that we did with her, that's what we were doing around the world. So it's like working through those spaces and knowing that I could take care of my family, knowing that I had a kid and uh, my son was born while I was on tour with Gaga and being able to fly home from the other side of the world to come home and see my kid to be born and then fly back to Australia in four days after he's born. It's like, why? Because I got a kid and a family, to, you know, all these things that, that I need to take care of. But a family who was still pushing me to like, no, it's okay. Like, sorry, listen, I know you miss us and we miss you too, but Daddy got to go to work. Daddy got to make it happen. Yeah. So you know, this is what it is. <laughs> like you getting up and going to NBC. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's it's truly the same exact thing. We're waking up. It's got to be four in the morning to get on my six a.m. train or you know whatever it may be. Like my family is definitely who I do it for. Who gives me that that pushing energy to come out and do it every day. I'm like, and I'm blessed and happy to be you know, and for my village to support me the way that it does. Let's go. Amazing. Period. Yeah. All right. So Kyle got two questions there. So I, mm -hmm. I got two questions to end here with it. I, yep. You know, I know we could probably go for another four <laughs> hours, but uh, <laughs> I know, I know, our bladders and us probably got to go. And then people have probably already commuted to work three times at this point by listening to this episode. So, um, anyway. <laughs> um, all right. Um, as a backline tech, I mean, uh -huh. and this goes for you know audio engineers too or uh -huh. whatever. Um, uh, we all run into. Uh, crazy times of uh shit going bad or crazy in a show you know i mean like i'm not talking about like oh the snare head popped and you got to right, right, right. swap a snare out like <laughs> you know all right, there's got to be a wild story of like you having to jump in mid-show and save the day or do the thing maybe some fan comes on stage i don't know what's the wildest thing you've experienced on stage the wildest thing i've experienced on stage definitely quite a few one of those was definitely a fan run. Uh, we were in Stockholm. We were in Stockholm and uh, doing this show at uh, the Nokia Hotel. It had this dope, like, venue on it. It's dope, really wooden, like, mahogany venue. It's like one of my first shows touring with the Roots. It's like five feet of snow outside, freezing cold. Show is going on. There's steps that the audience could just walk right up on stage. The whole front is all steps. Dude walks clean up on stage, and it was like, this is my first, like, my first show, so I'm like, I'm ready to, like, I'm like, I don't know how to really approach this. We just don't have security. It's just us. It's all guys. So I'm like, okay, all right. But then the guys start getting a little loose. They start moving around, and I was like, okay, you're taking it to... The guys are like, remove him from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Two spins and a toss. Nice. <laughs> 
Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to, had to, had to remove someone from a stage for sure. Uh, I fell off a stage before and rolled down the back curtain and the curtain was like a hanging curtain. So I was literally holding the curtain, a handful of curtain. And this curtain is literally swaying like this and it's ground mounted in the middle of a concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, and then I finally just slowly just let it go and just slid down. And then by the time I got to the bottom of it, it started falling and I had to grab the whole curtain and hold it back this way. <laughs> it's the wild. And my drummer's looking me in the eyes because I'm trying to help him out. That's how this even happened. He called, hell. I'm, what's up, what's up, what's up? That's fast up saying what's up and trying to run to him. There was a pile of curtain on the back of the stage and I stepped right on it and ended up going up in the air and landed in the curtain. Almost knocked over the whole entire thing. Ugh. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I get one more. I'm about to say one more. We did a, it was like one of those, it was like a VH1 something, something. Uh, Kelly Clarkson was actually performing. And for whatever this thing was, she wanted like all of the guitar players to walk out and play all the way down to the other end of the catwalk. When they go back there, they realize that for this moment to happen, the guitar player needs to switch one of his sounds. All right. I couldn't get a cable long enough, whatever the case was. I had to stand in and fake guitar in front of his guitar pedal board. And I'm the one switching his pedal for him for all the different sounds, for wild wines, <laughs> for everything. Me and other backline tech are the ones literally doing all of the pedal switches for this whole performance. And we're just back there where they got like the dark light on you where just a shadow over your face like this. <laughs> And we're just making their feet shrubbing along. So yeah, no, that that would definitely be a few of the the, the funny wild just stay that have played out for sure. Nice. All right, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Um, I think I carry it in a positive way, but the, the thing that I use on Instagram, my title on there, which is the Fall Guy. Um, I feel like my career definitely, I, I created a niche space for myself where it's like when things fall apart, I've become like, I became this guy that everybody called to me, everybody leaning towards like when the, when the house is burning down, somehow my phone rings, like, I know you can still save my house. <laughs> I know everything's on fire, but I believe you can save my house. And I appreciate one of my good friends. He calls me the glue because I keep everything together. No matter what the fuck is going on, I always keep it together. So I think my legacy would definitely fall in that space of being one of those guys who you called on and you can call on and you know that the thing is going to get done. I'm going to see it through, no matter what the case is. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm one of those guys uh, that you would definitely want to have on your team. And I appreciate getting those calls and acknowledging as such. That's awesome. I was very curious, actually, where the fall guy came from on Instagram. So yep. there we go. It's answered my uh, answered my thing, man. Yeah, Dietrich, that's it's been uh, it's been awesome. I'm it. I'm still mind blown <laughs> this connection with Kyle that I had no idea when I set this up. I, so, I remember that so we much. played like in San Antonio. We played at this four way stop, and the 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 yep. stage was at one corner of the four way stop. And before this the the show even started nobody knew who we were because we were all there early we all met up in the middle of the street and that's where i met dietrich yeah. and we were all talking and yeah. we all introduced ourselves and yeah. blah 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 but talk about what was going to be that day <laughs> it it all comes that's back to wild. you 
Like it really it does. does. This is amazing, man. This is definitely great. And I appreciate you guys for having yeah, me all. Thank you. It's really just been great talking to you guys. Chris, this has been longer with dude, just us catching up in general. Uh, no. We might have to do this like, again. We might call on you again. I'm about again. to say, this could, it's whatever. Trust me, there's plenty and plenty I can talk about. 